Today's episode is brought to you by naming conventions. Today, we're playing Mega Man 3 and Mega Man 4. Not to be confused with Mega Man 3, Mega Man 3, or Mega Man 4. The Mega Man 3 we will be playing is the Mega Man 3 that borrows content from Mega Man 4, but not the same Mega Man 4 that we're about to play as well, which borrows content from Mega Man 5, and not from Mega Man 5. Don't confuse today's game with Mega Man 3, which borrows content from Mega Man 2, but not the same Mega Man 2, which borrows content from Mega Man 3, and we're most certainly not playing the other Mega Man 3 that has a boss that shares a name with a boss from Mega Man 5. Anyway, this is why we're calling today's games Mega Man World 3 and Mega Man World 4 on this episode of What Am I Podcasting For? Welcome to What Am I Podcasting For? My name's Garlisle, and this show is the chronicle of my attempts to play through the entire Mega Man series, from Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 11, and as many of the 100-plus games in between as I can. Today is another special double feature, because we are tackling, once again, two games that are, while, as we discovered last time, not strictly ports of what had come before, and very much have their own bits and bobs and pieces worked in, a lot of the content in these games is revised and reused from previous games. Specifically, we are tackling 1992's Mega Man World 3 and 1993's Mega Man 4. For clarity's sake, I'm going to call these World 3 and World 4. They were Game Boy games. That was their name in Japan. For some reason, they decided to get rid of the world designation in North America, and, well, you heard the intro. I can start by talking about a few things that both games do that are actually really similar and set them apart from the previous two world games. First off, because we are coming into this in a post-Mega Man 3 and Mega Man 4 world, both of these games feature the ability to slide. Both of them also feature the Charged Buster as it appeared in Mega Man 4, which means your Charged Buster will not be interrupted if you are hit while charging it. Both games do feature Rush for getting around the stages. Unlike uh, World 2, the Rush Marine has been cut from existence for these two games. Its time has passed. One of the other big differences compared to the previous two World games is that they also went the extra mile in making World 3 and 4 resemble and feel and sound like the original NES titles. During World 1 and 2, the backgrounds, generally speaking, were extremely simple. Like, the foreground parts of the stages might have had some variety, but the backgrounds were oftentimes just, like, plain screens. The moment that you get into any of the stages in World 3 or World 4, that is gone out the window. The backgrounds are detailed and lively. Unlike World 2, which tried to experiment with replacing the game's soundtrack completely. A fun fact, by the way, something I learned since doing the episode for World 1 and 2. Apparently World 2's soundtrack may literally be bugged. Like, parts of its code may be referencing incorrect sound data. That might be part of why that game sounded the way that it did. But anyway, unlike trying to create a whole new soundtrack like they did with World 2, World 3 and World 4 will use new soundtrack elements outside of the Robot Master stages and boss fights, but 
whenever you are revisiting one of the Robot Masters from Mega Man 3, 4, or 5, World 3 and World 4 pretty much do the Game Boy's best approximation of just straight up the sounds of those games. In fact, fascinatingly, both of these games feature both boss tracks from the two represented games, and will use the appropriate one. Something else that I'll talk about that is kind of in common of both of these games is that in World 1 and World 2, I noted a whole lot about how these stages tended to mix and match and remix elements from previous games. World 1 especially, the stages for the Robot Masters, even if they were familiar Robot Masters, felt radically different because of all the additions that had worked their way in from future games. Even if they were the same characters that you were fighting at the end of the stage and the same like general idea of what the stage should be, they felt completely different because of the inclusion of entirely additional mechanisms in the stage. For this game, however, most of the stages largely just keep to the elements that were present in the original game. You might get like one new enemy type or like a slightly new platforming challenge or something, but as far as the Robot Master stages go, they very much were like, hey, these stages are already solid enough in Mega Man 3, 4, and 5 for us to just remix them into a tighter stage design that will fit what we need to do on the Game Boy. Anyway, though, before we talk too much about that kind of stuff, let's let's start hitting some of the specifics. Let's dig into Mega Man World 3. Now, World 3 unfortunately lacks the kind of absolutely crazy backstory that 2 did, and that's going to be the case for World 4 as well, so those of you who are expecting some fun story involving time travel unfortunately don't. However, funny enough, looking into it, it appears that the story of Mega Man World 3 may involve either Wily sabotaging a supercomputer that runs daily life around the world, or Wily trying to drill into the center of the Earth. Um, I don't know how two different releases of the game, Japan and North America, had completely different backstories in the manual, but that's a thing. And none of it actually comes up in the game anyway. We boot it up and we are basically put face-to-face -face with our four remaining bosses for Mega Man 3, Spark Man, Gemini Man, Snake Man, and Shadow Man. As I kind of alluded to, there isn't necessarily a ton to talk about in these remix stages that is necessarily new, although the process of converting some of these stages over from the NES to the Game Boy has, um, some elements have clearly not worked super great. Sparkman says a great example of this. The most dangerous part of Sparkman's stage was always these little platforms that when you landed on them would start quickly rising up and try to slam you into a spiked ceiling. In World 3, these platforms lag the game so much that they're completely trivial. The game slows down to like half its normal frame rate. It is like, this game I think in particular I really, really noticed had an issue with lag, which I mean, a lot of the Mega Man games do, but damn. Fighting Sparkman himself, he was kind of a chump in the original game, but here the fact that there is a much smaller battle arena size means that it is it is much trickier to jump over him or avoid him or get past him as he walks back and forth, and the various projectiles he has, like, you can't be as far away from Sparkman as you could on the NES because the stage is just smaller. I think, in general, most of the bosses in this version of the game are a little bit tougher than their NES counterparts. Gemini Man stage really doubles down on the whole, like, busting out the eggs and dealing with the weird, creepy tadpoles. 
And something about the stage feels slightly even more animated than it was originally, and it gives the stage a little bit of a weirdly creepy, almost like Metroid 2 Return of Samus vibe. It's, I don't know, somehow somehow it just got worse in this version of the stage. Shadow Man stage is almost exactly Shadow Man stage. Like, it probably is laid out a tiny bit different, but every bait you remember from Shadow Man, including, like, the parachuters coming down from the ceiling while you're trying to jump over pits, and the parts where the stage just goes dark and you can only see, like, these temporary platforms, like, it's all there. Snake Man stage is exactly Snake Man stage 2, but it actually, visually, it looks better than the original Snake Man stage, which the original was already one of the more striking stages in the game, just because a stage made out of snakes is really cool. This one adds in, like, an animated background of, like, a jungle and stuff that actually, like, really helps complete it. As before, in the world stages, once we complete all four of our first Robot Masters, we head directly to Wily's Fortress, which... Oh boy, um, World 3 difficulty spikes at the fortress. By which I mean you are immediately introduced to Yoku Blocks, you know, the good old, like, appearing and disappearing platforms that you have to time your jumps on, along with a new type of platform that just drops out a moment after you land on it, and you have to immediately do a platforming segment over pits with what is, for this game, brand new blocks. And I noticed this because it is very trickily timed, actually. It's it's not very forgiving. We also get the surprise this time of not just immediately going to the next four Robot Masters, we actually get a new mid-boss. This is... There was an enemy in Mega Man 1 that was basically like a rubber ball that would stick to one wall and then just like launch itself across the arena at the other wall and just go back and forth. This is like a Mega Man-sized one of those that doesn't just go like back and forth, it will roll itself around the edges of the room, it will bounce around, it will find different ways to attack you. It's actually kind of fun, even if it's quick. It is very unpredictable and has a lot of different ways it can move. The really fun part, though, is you open up the gate and enter the little corridor before the boss that's in like pretty much every Mega Man game, and it's in this corridor that you actually get attacked by this boss. It doesn't wait until you're in the next room, it attacks you in the boss corridor. And that's that tripped me up, and I love it. But then we come out the other side, there's a teleporter in the next room, we enter it, and we're actually back to a stage select. Now, instead of doing our additional Robot Masters in the fortresses, we actually just have a traditional Robot Master select again with four more Robot Masters. Coming in from Mega Man 4, we have Dive Man, Skull Man, Drill Man, and Dust Man. Interestingly, this is technically, like, it's not following the Dr. Wily's Fortress rules of your weapons don't recover between stages. But it is, these stages are set within Dr. Wily's Fortress, and the reason that I bring this up is that they are modeled as Dr. Wily's Fortress stages, which means that all of these stages now have new aspects to their environment completely. Not necessarily like new stage gimmicks, but the actual aesthetic of the stage is one part the original Robot Master stage and one part 
this is a Wily's Fortress stage. So you will get, like, Skull Man's bones and stuff coming up over the top of computers. It's just a really neat little spin on the levels. I don't have necessarily a whole lot of notes on the specific stages. I did note that Dive Man stage in particular really illustrates the other half of them being basically Wily's Fortress stages, which is that these stages are absolutely made much tougher than the original stages were, and way tougher than the first four stages. There's two stages in particular that I remember standing out to me. Skullman and Drillman weren't that bad. Diveman stage is set underwater, and the original Diveman stage had stuff like the water raising and lowering, and there was spikes up on the top floating along that you had to avoid like jumping too high so that you didn't run into them. But realistically, Diveman stage was actually very, very simple. It was very forgiving. You had to kind of actively try in many cases to endanger yourself. Holy crap, that is not the case in here. The entire stage is basically precision jumping. And the kicker about all this too is like, even if you don't die from accidentally kicking a spike and popping like a balloon, there's just enough enemies and these stages are long enough that the damage that they do is going to get to you as well. But even for how tough I probably just made Dive Man stage sound, Dust Man stage, took me more tries than any other stage that I have seen in a Mega Man game so far for this podcast by a very significant margin. I was actually getting a little bit angry at this stage. Like, I complained about stuff like Heat Man stage back in Mega Man 2, and it's like, yeah, but particularly, I just think sometimes that's a bit of dumb design, and of course there's going to be this thing. No, listen, Dust Man stage is really long. There's a ton of spots where if you don't land a very, very precise jump, you can die. There's the return of that section where there's the crusher and you have to carve a path through the blocks underneath. That's back and it felt worse than ever. But there is a room in Dustman stage in this game where in order to cross it, like, okay, I realized afterwards, technically I could just use a damage boost. I could jump into an enemy and use the invincibility frames to cross the spikes. But if you don't do that, and you probably won't because you'll see that enemy and you'll be like, oh, I should shoot them down instead of running into them and using that to cross the spikes. There is a long jump that you have to make across a bed of spikes. How do you long jump in a Mega Man game? First off, you don't. Second off, it means partially jumping out into the bed of spikes, activating the rush coil so that rush lands about halfway along, turning around so you land back on your platform, then jumping onto rush and bouncing off of him to catch the corner of a ladder on the other side of the room. This may be the only spot in any of the Mega Man games where you have to perform this kind of long jump across spikes using rush, and you have to be stupidly precise. And this is after, like, this is at, like, the 80% mark of the stage, and the 30% between the check point and here also regularly kills you because it's precision jumping and dumbly placed enemies and oh <sighs> and to rub it all in when you finish the stage then you get the rush jet the rush jet that would actually let you skip that stupid jump is located afterwards <laughs> anyway i desperately wish i'd been aware of the speedrun strat of literally just damage boosting across the spikes instead because oh man done legitimately that was not a fun stage. It took me pretty close to as many tries to beat Dustman stage as it did to beat Sigma in X1 when I was doing him the second time around with, like, five heart containers and no body armor. Like, anyway, we finished them up, and we return to the fortress proper. We find Dr. Wily, and he runs off, and as we go to fight him, a new Mega Man killer called Punk busts out of the walls to fight us. Punk looks 
basically exactly like what you would expect of a robot master, which is to say he's just like a lanky robot frame with like spiked shoulder pads and a mohawk. His gimmick, first off, he has a projectile that he throws at you, which will deflect your shots. You have to aim around it. And also he'll curl up into a ball and then either launch at a height where you have to slide under him or launch low and you have to jump over him. You have very little time to react, and if you react incorrectly or react too slowly, he is going to hit you and do a bunch of damage. Realistically, kind of hope you have an energy tank here. It's a little bit tough, but once you take down Punk, we can go chase after Wily, who leaves behind his previous fortress and flies off to a fortress that was uh, apparently hidden underwater. Last couple games, we kept going to space. This time, we don't go to space. He just raises up a gigantic lab out of the water. Where is he getting all of these fortresses? Our gift for defeating Punk is our new Mega Man killer weapon. It's called the Screw Crusher. The best way I can describe the Screw Crusher is to say that it is an axe from Castlevania, which is to say it's a, basically a shot that you just kind of like lob forward. The arc is occasionally a little bit useful. It's incredibly relevant against the final boss. The damage is decent though, and most importantly, it takes like five shots from the screw crusher to subtract one ammo from your weapon gauge, you can use this thing an absolute ton. And there's a reason they did. It's the only thing that hurts the final phase of the final boss, and they really did not want you to potentially run into weapon screw. There is energy tanks in this game, but we don't have weapon or M tanks or anything like that yet. I will say this final fortress rush stage, it's another fairly lengthy stage, but I didn't find it nearly as hard as Dustman or Diveman stages. It's not as reliant on instant kills. It is more reliant on difficult enemies and difficult enemy placement that kind of really pushes you to actually use your weapons. There's a clever room in there, actually, where you slide under some spikes, the lights go out, and there's a device overhead that you can shoot down to turn the lights back on. And in order to hit that, you actually want to use Shadow Man's weapon. And if you don't do this and try to just proceed, you're pretty much guaranteed to hit some of the other spikes that are in the stage. So I just, I really like those moments in these games when it actually gets you to be like, okay, here's a puzzle you need to solve using your armory. Giant Susie fights us again in a boss corridor. Yeah, by the way, the bouncing ball thing's name is Susie. Don't know why. But at the end of the stage, we do get our showdown with the Wily machine. And it's... I don't know how to properly describe this thing. It looks too cartoonish to fit in Mega Man. That's a weird thing to say because this is pretty goofy series. And I mean, it's not like goofy bosses are new to the world games. Dr. Wily had the um, flying chicken attached to a dinosaur last time in World 2. <laughs> but this thing... Something about its design. It is facing the screen completely. It has these big, round, goofy eyes as it like stomps left and right across the screen. It doesn't feel like a Mega Man designed boss, probably specifically because it is facing the player, and that's that's not something that usually happens. I mean, it does from time to time. I don't know. Something about it just felt off to me in design. Either way, shoot this thing when it lands, avoid getting crushed by it, eventually it'll blow up and the victory music will start playing, and then the top flies off the robot and surprise, Dr. Wily's in there, so we're going to have to deal with him again. Interestingly, whichever side you kill this boss on, the boss stays there for the second half. It's not going to be like jumping and stomping around anymore, it's just firing projectiles at you. You will just need to jump up and lob the screw crusher back at it to defeat it. 
Wily flies off, crashes, we roll credits. Overall, World 3 is generally really well done. I like the idea of fusing the stages with Wily's Fortress. I appreciate that it just wants to stick closer to what the original games were that it is drawing from, but the difficulty curve of this game is way the hell off. It spikes at the like 40% to 80% of the way through the game, and then it gets easy again, and it's like, what? I don't know. Like, part of me kind of likes this game. The enemies are dangerous enough and the stages are long enough that you want to deal with the enemies efficiently, and that gets you using your weapons. But also, the stages are long. Some of them are really, really, really unforgiving and brutal. I don't know. I didn't really like World 3 all that much. It might have failed to really provide reason to stand itself apart from the games that inspired it. It's also just a bloody hard game, and there is a point of difficulty at which a game does kind of stop being fun to me if I don't think that it's providing an interesting enough reward, and I don't know. That's World 3. Let's move on to World 4. Mega Man World 4 was released about three months before Mega Man X. And the reason that I'm dropping that piece of information is because it's really clear that World 4 took some cues from what they were learning to do from Mega Man X. This game has animated, well, as animated as you can get on the Game Boy, full-on cutscenes. It has this whole opening animated sequence of, like, a Wily attacking the city, like, a zoomed-in view of Mega Man and our new Mega Man killer facing off. We get different angled shots as we go through some of these cutscenes in this game. Again, as close as the Game Boy could get to the idea of, like, watching an episode of Mega Man, as opposed to telling everything in a 2D side-scrolling environment. And we get some of that, too. We have, we have actual dialogue boxes. We have cutscenes where we come back to the lab and talk to Dr. Light. When we start up this game, Dr. Light also provides us with some instructions to collect P-chips. P-chips being a brand new currency for this game that between stages, we can return to Dr. Light and trade in those P-chips. This is the first Mega Man game to feature a shop. There's a number of later Mega Man games that will feature shopping, and like, technically, I know, Rockboard, but Rockboard, interestingly, never really had a shop with a menu. Just a yes-no option. This one actually gives us the option to do things like buy lives, buy E-tanks. When we hit the Fortress stages, we'll be able to buy a recharge of our weapons between stages. We can buy a weapon tank that will allow us to refill one weapon of our choice, or we can buy an S-Tank, which will allow us to recharge the everything. We can even buy, for the first time in the classic timeline, the Energy Balancer, which was that thing that I mentioned existing in Mega Man X but didn't really matter too much in it. The Energy Balancer makes it so that if we pick up weapon energy while using a weapon that is already full on energy, or our base Mega Buster, that weapon energy refill will be automatically applied to one of our weapons in reserve that is lacking ammo. Oh, it, it, let me tell you, the Energy Balancer makes Mega Man games feel so 
so much better. You get so much more freedom to actually use your tools. And when you're dealing with gauntlet stages like the Wily's Fortresses, as opposed to Sigma's Fortress, where we had everything recharged anyway, when we're dealing with gauntlet stages, it matters so much more, too. And that's not even it, either. World 4 has E-Tank fragments. If you pick up four of these, you get a full E-Tank. There is multiple pages to this game's start menu, so that our E-Tanks and stuff are on a separate screen, along with some key items that we will be finding and picking up, because they borrowed the secret letters thing from Mega Man 5. When we clear stages, we get demonstrations of our weapons. Yes, this has been done before. However, this time, these weapon demonstrations don't just fire the weapon, they actually attempt to show off the different functionalities of the weapons. So you will see, like, the Pharaoh shot being fired in different directions and then being charged up. When we go to the stage select screen, instead of just picking a robot master by face, we have a rotating selection on the top screen. Whichever one you're selecting, the stage itself is kind of given, like, a cinematic shot on the bottom of the screen that gives you an idea of where the stage is happening. This game stepped it up from previous Mega Man games. Now, not every new change was necessarily great. One of the things that makes Mega Man World 4 really weird is that there is recoil on the Mega Buster. Not when you're using it as just a pea shooter, but whenever you fully charge a shot in World 4, you actually get pushed backwards like three or four pixels. It's absolutely possible to accidentally recoil yourself off an edge. And I don't think there's another Mega Man game afterwards that kept the recoil. Maybe it's just something they were experimenting with here and they realized like, eh, we don't really need it. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Anyway... The stages here, again, they're very, very familiar and very similar to the original stages. I think there's even, like, less new stuff going on in these ones. But, I mean, we are talking about stages that were already from Mega Man 4 and Mega Man 5. They don't really need it as much. We have Pharaoh Man, who still executes the whole, like, Tomb Raid thing. Toad Man's here. Toad Man, by the way, less of a chump in this game. They made it so that whenever you fire at him, he now jumps at your location. So you can't literally just sit there and bully him every time he tries to start dancing. Doesn't quite work like that. You actually have to bully him and then move, and then bully him and then move. Still a chump, but will trip you up if you're expecting him to act exactly like Mega Man 4's Toad Man. Ringman makes a little bit trickier use of the weird, like, flow-disappearing platforms that he had. Brightman's stage has a new gimmick where there's parts where you turn out the light deliberately in order to reveal platforms that are only visible when the area is dark. But for the most part, very familiar. During these stages, you can find the four letters B-E-A-T, which means yes, we do get to summon Beat the Bird in this one. I have to say he's not as valuable in this game as he was in Mega Man 5. He doesn't work on most of the bosses. He isn't really anything's weakness as far as I could tell. And the smaller screen size means you probably have other weapons that are well suited to deal with hunting down enemies and wherever they are. Especially since like the Pharaoh shot is such an early weapon and it still has its omnidirectional firing. You just don't need Beat as much. He isn't as good here, unfortunately. Anyway, we clear them, and we of course come to Wily's Fortress. This time, we get a whole cutscene where Wily's Fortress busts out of a forest because it's a tank. Like, the entire fortress is on wheels and fully armed and coming for us. We get a stage where 
we are basically busting our way into this fortress. We have a mini boss, which is like basically fighting with the satellite dish on top of this thing. It doesn't do a whole lot interesting though. We bust our way into the command room and we find Dr. Wily. He runs off and protecting him is our new Mega Man killer, Ballade, who first off gets his own boss theme. That's cool. Ballade, visually speaking, there's almost nothing significant about Ballade other than, like, the Sailor Moon-style crescent tiara thing he's wearing. Okay, it's not actually a tiara, it's just, like, it's supposed to be a crescent moon and it looks like horns and that's the closest that we get. He really does look like a just slightly different helmeted Mega Man, maybe, like, beefier shoulders. Similarly, Ballade actually has a really simple fight. He's got a projectile that he fires. He runs and jumps around randomly. He doesn't have a particular weakness, which is probably the reason this fight is challenging. Because he doesn't, like, he's got enough options that it's hard to do this fight perfectly. And you can't kill him quickly just by getting the right weapon. Either way, we beat him up, but rather than letting himself be destroyed, uh, Belade runs off and we chase after him deeper into the fortress and we get our second set of stages. Napalm Man, Stone Man, Charge Man, and Crystal Man are here. Like in World 3, each of these stages is basically half the original stage, half a fortress stage, though the difficulty is not turned up as absurdly this time, thank goodness. We're also technically considered to be within the fortress here, so when we finish a stage, we do actually carry over our weapon progression, unless we game over or get Dr. Light to make us a weapon energy refill between stages. We're going to be at a bit of a disadvantage, though fortunately, the energy balancer. Quick notes as I took them down, Charge Man's train is actually running around on the inside of the fortress. It is a really cool background aesthetic, and we still get all the cool stuff with like the sound of the train as you're riding around on it and bouncing in and out of the train. It's a really well ported over stage. Stone Man stage is, it feels a lot more generic than the original did, and the original was mostly saved from being generic because it was like in and out of a cave and across mountains and stuff, and like environmentally varied. Stone Man got kind of done dirty. He's a more difficult boss though, he spends a lot less time just hanging around being an easy target. Crystal Man stage doesn't start off looking like Crystal Man stage at all, and then partway through you drop down and the stage is just covered in crystal and you're like, oh okay, here we go. Crystal Man stage is actually interesting for a couple reasons. One is that there's a point in the path where you have a choice of two different paths to go through the stage. One is a bit more traditional feeling of a stage, the other gives you more time to learn and have to deal with this stage's new gimmick, which is basically trap sections where like platforms behind you will drop out or like ceilings will come down to crush you and you have to like outrun them while also waiting for openings to appear in front of you to keep going. This is probably the toughest stage in this game just because like this trapped section, even if you take the route that has you doing that section for a shorter amount of time, it's very easy to screw up and die during that and the stage is just kind of rough in general. Napalm Man stage fits pretty well, as it was already, like, mostly an arsenal, but now we lose the, like, jungle aspect of it. So the fact that the tiger robots are still there just seems kind of goofy. It does a clever thing. There was a threat in Napalm Man stage, which was, like, an advancing wall of spikes you could shoot down. In this version of the stage, this isn't just a wall. 
but you can actually jump onto the wall part of this. Not the spikes, obviously. You'll use that to ride around and, like, reach higher ledges. I don't know. It's just kind of a clever reinterpretation of a previous enemy. There's also a spot in Napalm Man stage where you can see a bunch of flames and a ladder right after them. So if you're just going through the stage, you're going to look at that and you're going to be like, I wonder if there's something up there. There actually is. And I, an idiot, didn't figure out until later. You can actually use Toad Man's Rain Flush to put out the flames. And then you can reach this ladder and get to a small secret room where randomly Proto Man is hiding out there as an Easter egg. And he will throw you an item that fully recharges your health and all your weapons. And you'll pick up a couple extra E tanks in the room. It's just kind of interesting that we have this, like, just secret Easter egg room right here. In these four stages, you will pick up a new set of four letters. This time, however, it doesn't unlock a different weapon. These four letters are W-I-L-Y, Wily. When you've completed all four stages, when you go to fight Dr. Wily and begin the final fortress proper, the first thing you will run into is a series of locks that require you to have all four letters in Wily's name, or you just can't do the fortress. This would be dumb if not for the fact that these are not particularly hidden letters. I had zero issue finding them. Most of them are literally just right on the route you go through the stage anyway. We get a quick little stage, and then we get a second fight with Ballad, who actually powers up, and by powers up, I mean basically puts on some sunglasses and challenges you to a fight again. This time, his shots are actually large mines that will stick to walls or the floor and have to be destroyed. He can also leave them behind when he jumps. He is unnotably more difficult boss as a result of it, but as long as you're willing to crack open an E-tank or two, you'll win. The weapon that we get from finally defeating him is called the Ballade Cracker, which is essentially a mine that we can throw in any of the eight directions, and it causes a, like, radial explosion wherever it hits. This thing is really good. Like, actually, we've been through it before as early as the Metal Blade. Weapons that can be fired in eight directions are good to begin with. The Pharaoh Shot was also earlier in this game, and is also good for being able to be fired in eight directions. The Ballade Cracker uses less ammunition, however, and comes with an AoE effect. So even even if you hit, like, the wall slightly next to an enemy, the explosion can catch them and kill the enemy. And we're going to have to put it to use almost immediately as Wily's fortress tank starts exploding, and we have to force our way out through a sort of puzzly segment where we have to use the multi-directional nature of the ballet cracker to blow open floors and ceilings and stuff and carve our way out. As is tradition of the world games, Wily jumps in his UFO and flies off to his actual fortress, this one back out in space. We get one final stop at Dr. Light's lab, where he tells us he's going to modify Rush to take us to outer space, and we board the Rush Marine and it flies up into space, and I thought for sure we were going to get, like, a shooter segment, a shmup segment. No. No, it's literally just the Rush Marine doesn't really come back, it's just a cutscene, of course. And then we begin the journey through Wily's Fortress, which is this, like, multi-stage section that has multiple smaller bosses within it. We have mini-bosses that are basically giant metars attached to gun turrets. We have, like, we have a security system that we have to break down. It alternates between trying to slam a robotic arm into us and actually firing different weapons from the different bosses at us. There's another boss, kind of like the Susie, that we face in a relatively confined space. This one's just this, this little iBot that also produces decoys that bounce around the room as well. It never, like, fires anything at you directly. It just takes advantage of the fact that it and its duplicates cover the screen a lot, and you never quite know which one is the real one. But also, if you pop out the 
rain flush, it just destroys them all at once, so whatever. We even get, at the end of the stage, the classic Mega Man teleporter room. Not the classic Mega Man World teleporter room. The world games, like, World 1 put its bosses from Mega Man 2 just at the end of the game in the teleporter room instead of refighting the Mega Man 1 bosses. World 2 had the teleporter room as basically a stage select. World 4 has the teleporter room, and straight up, it has 8 teleporters and 8 boss refights. We finally, genuinely get the ending of a classic Mega Man game in Game Boy form. And after all this marathon, we jump in one last teleporter, and we get a cutscene of Mega Man running up to Wily's new giant robot. This is not the first one he's built. There was the one in Mega Man 3. Gamma? Gamma. But this one looks really ridiculous because it's just a gigantic steel wily face complete with like a giant fake mustache. Now we get to our final showdown, which is a three-phase long fight. In the first phase, we don't even see the head. We're down near the chest, it tries to punch us from the various sides or the top of the screen, and we can see a weak point on the chest up at the top of the screen that you have to hit with Power Stone of all things. It's a good thing Power Stone is otherwise a really useless weapon, because you're not that likely to be out of it. Long story short though, it is a good thing that there is like the weapon tanks and the super tank, because between this and some rush jet mandatory segments going through the stage prior to this, this is like the one world game where weapon screw is a possibility. Anyway, do enough damage to the weak point and the robot descends a bunch and we get to fight the head this time. It alternates between a couple of different attacks, including a projectile opening its mouth and trying to draw you in, and just like ramming its face across the screen, and I will be frank, the ramming attack is a little bit weird, because I don't think you could dodge it, and that's really strange for a Mega Man game to have a completely undodgeable attack, so you need to be able to beat this guy down quick, and the only time he's vulnerable is when he's trying to draw you in, but you can just throw the ballet cracker into his mouth, because that's the theme of the world games is the Mega Man killer's weapons are all great against Dr. Wily. We destroy the head of the robot, Wily's UFO pops out, and we get a Wily UFO fight in a world game. This one surprises you by knocking out the floor underneath of you with its projectiles, but then after firing just, like, two of these, it will appear in the corner and start, like, basically running away, and as you chase it, that'll reveal new floor that hasn't been destroyed, so it's not like it's particularly dangerous. And also, because it is spending a bunch of time visible while you are, like, quote-unquote chasing it, you have a ton of time to hit this one compared to the other Wily UFOs. So honestly, even compared to Mega Man 5's, where you could just let your bird destroy the boss, this is the easiest of the Wily UFOs. We destroy the UFO, Wily falls out, and starts begging for his life. It's the usual. Uh, he gets away this time because he has a backpack on, and that backpack basically, like, launches a tether that just yoinks him out of the room, and Mega Man just stands there being like, huh, I should have seen that coming. And then the space station starts exploding, and we get a scene of Mega Man trying to escape. Ultimately, though, he reaches the edges of the fortress and can't actually blow his way out of it. The wall's too sturdy. And then, unexpectedly, the damaged Ballade shows up and apologizes to Mega Man for having chosen to fight him and opts to self-destruct, much to Mega Man's chagrin. And that self-destruction blows a hole in the side of the airship and Mega Man is ejected into space. Mega Man was not the imposter. But that's it. That's that's game. We get our usual, like, robot ro credits. Mega Man World 4.
that's Mega Man World 4. It doesn't have the issue of going too hard on the difficulty. It's still tough, but it isn't nearly as ridiculous as some of the stages in like World 3 were or the other world games. It's it's definitely one of the most fair of the Game Boy titles. I generally like the new bosses. Ballade is he's tough. He's not particularly interesting though, but the other various bosses that you fight, like the security wall that fires the different boss weapons at you, those are kind of fun. The cutscenes a couple of them go on a little bit too long, but I do like that they tried to take like the cinematic approach to it that is like we technically had like momentary cutscenes in Mega Man X, but they also never left the side view still in platforming game engine to show something off. This one does try to go like a little bit cinematic with it. And and there's all the other stuff too. The shop having the energy balancer there. There's just a bunch of stuff that they were trying to do in World 4 beyond just what the previous games had done, and that's I can really respect that. But even if I think it's the best of the world games overall, I mean, we haven't gotten to World 5 yet, but even if I think World 4 has been the best of the world games so far, I also feel like I can fairly safely say, if I want to revisit Mega Man 4 or Mega Man 5, I still think I would rather just play Mega Man 4 or Mega Man 5. And maybe that's a nostalgic attachment thing, I don't know. It feels bad to say that after enjoying it like I did, but... <sighs> As one usual final wrap-up, we will cover some of the music in this game directly. Overall, the soundtracks are, I mean, it's very, very easy to be a stronger soundtrack than World 2 was, but just the fact that they kept the original tracks again as well as they could was definitely a credit to these games. Sometimes it can't quite pull it off. Dustman stage is missing a little bit of this like weird sorrow that was part of it. Toadman doesn't have this like distant reverb section. On the flip side, Chargeman and Pharaohman stage are still absolute jams. I'm going to highlight three themes, one remix, one from World 3, and one from World 4. The remix that I've picked is the Mega Man 4 boss theme as heard in World 4. When we get to this, I will be playing the original NES boss theme from Mega Man 4, and then I will play the Game Boy remix of it. This will give you a good opportunity to just hear how well it's adapted. I picked this one specifically because, weirdly, I think this one, I might like the Game Boy version of this slightly better than the NES original, and I'm not quite sure why, but give it a listen and just let me know what you think. The song I've picked to feature from Mega Man World 3 is the stage for Wily's Space Station. It has an intro that I really like, but just in general it settles back into a melody that is like a decent sense of this is a final stage without going over the top about it. It's it's a little under like understated, not super energetic compared to what you might expect out of Mega Man, but hey, you know, different composers.
The final track I'll highlight is the final boss theme from World 4 when you're fighting the giant Wily mech. This one, it has like a strong intro bit to the music, ramps you up for the fight, and then this track almost doesn't quite sound like a Mega Man track. The place my brain goes upon hearing it weirdly is Battletoads, but I have to say Battletoads had a kickin' soundtrack, and there's just something about the rhythm that goes on in this track that is really good. That does it for the third and fourth Mega Man World games. It also brings us to the end of 1993 as an era and moves us into 1994. Oh boy, um, I'm looking at the chart right now. There were six different Mega Man titles released in 1994. That's a lot. Two of those are going to be a double feature, but we're not going to jump to that just yet. Instead, we're going to get the worst of them out of the way next. I'm not going to tell you what the worst of those is, and to be honest, I may just be remembering the game as much worse than it actually is. I'll give it a goal, and I'll get back to you in two weeks with the next episode. In the meantime, if you wanted to hit me up about the podcast, shoot me an email at whatamipodcastingfor at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter, whatamipodcastfor as in the number four. You can always get the newest episodes at waipf.podbean.com every other Monday, or your favorite podcast provider of choice. And hey, if I am missing your podcast provider of choice, let me know. I'll see what I can do. Thanks for listening, and remember, Mega Man 3, Mega Man 3, and Mega Man 3 are different games. I hate video games sometimes. If you're still listening, that means you're probably expecting a blooper. I don't have a blooper for you this time. However, World 4's password system doesn't just use dots at specific coordinates, it uses the letters E, B, R, and spaces. So have me pronouncing aloud many of the passwords that I encountered while playing Mega Man World 4. E, B, R, 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 B, 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 R, E bur B E bur E air B Er Ripper Ep Er Eber Er Ebrebe V Ripper Ep Reep Epa Re